was the one last night from or on Saturday. Sean Strickland. Whoo. That's a good way to start. Um, check the kick podcast, Sherdog.com. I got Jay Petrie with me. Um, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Glad you're here. Crazy ass weekend. Uh, man, it, it's weekends like these that I, I, I kind of miss my old show. Uh, but as soon as you mentioned, we were talking the other day, um, because obviously for, for those of us watching, uh, four of us, Dev, myself, uh, Keith Schillen, and Ben Duffy, had an MMA fantasy draft, and we were discussing, okay, what about collaborations for shows? And so when you presented this to me about talking about 293 and, and, and Noche UFC, this was before. This is before everything happened. I'm like, heck yeah. And then presenting it to me again to be like, oh, hey, just to make sure. And I'm like, double heck yeah. Because what we have to talk about today, just, I think, I think there were some fights this weekend and I think a couple things happened. I mean, I'm sure you can, you can carry on from here. I just, we got on here and the first thing I told you was we live in a world where Sean Strickland is the UFC champion. And this was not one, you know, we saw a fight this weekend with Tepe Mariscal where he won, you know, via arm break, where his opponent goes to post on a takedown and his arm gets ruined. That could have happened. And something like that, the way that Izzy was looking and has been looking, you'd figure almost that's the way he'd lose the belt against someone like Sean Strickland. A banana peel kind of incident. Totally. Um, But that was just not the case. Um. And I'm actually really happy for Sean that this fight wasn't an early stoppage and it could have rightfully been stopped in the first round. And it would have been maybe early, but I would have still been okay with it. Um, But I don't want to say that he pitched a shutout, but this was the most one-sided fight that Israel Adesanya has been in, in the UFC. And that's including him probably getting out wrestled and full mounted by Jan Blachowicz and getting knocked out by Pajera. Yeah, and even cool. in, even in the first Pereira fight, he was you know he had I forget the official scorecards, but he had won some rounds. I don't believe it was like the the Korean Zombie uh, uh, Yair Rodriguez where he was losing and then the big knockout. But I, th- I think it was maybe a comeback for Pereira. But this this was it wasn't quite pillar to post. But in terms of effectiveness, in terms of what Sean Strickland did, this was a pillar pillar to post performance. When Adesanya fought Robert Whitaker the second time, uh, I believe at the time, and and I got roasted for it, and I'm okay with it, I scored it for Sherdog on the play-by-play and scored it in favor of Whitaker. And And I stated afterwards, this was the best possible expectation that Robert Whitaker had with his skills, with what Izzy brought to the table and with the previous outcome. This was the best Whitaker could hope for was taking him right down to the wire. If there were a third fight, I don't think it would do better. I think it would be more like Volkanovski versus Holloway three, where Max really was behind instead of actually catching up where this performance was not like that. This was, this was a Strickland's best game worked in a way that I don't think, I mean, I, I can't say none because I nobody, I can't nobody. speak for them, but we as <laughs> MMA prognosticators were discussing, okay, what can Sean Strickland do 
to beat Izzy? What does he bring to the table? What are his best skills? What are his best avenues to victory? And we had to go, I, he's got a good jab. He's got a one-two. Um, he, he can throw a leg kick when he wants to. Um, he's fairly defensively sound, but can get caught if he's rushed and rushes himself. But this, man, Deb, break down for me how the heck Strickland did this, because I know you were really looking at that, like how he did what how did, I mean, to, to steal from my buddy Jack Slack, uh, shout out Fightland, how did Sean Strickland kill the king? You know, what's really funny is uh, I'm going to definitely answer that. My idea of how this fight was going to go was I thought the only way that Sean was going to have success would meet to just press him with the jab, get him against the cage and then cause some sort of entanglement where he could get like a standing back take. Cause I know he has like high level BJJ, but not great takedowns. I was like, maybe he'll, he'll take like a flyweight Pantoja type, you know, like really, really just get on and pressure him against the cage. Take his, I didn't expect that. That what I expected to happen was him to just get leg kicked a bits, bite on a bunch of feints and then get his head question mark kicked off. That's what I expected. Um, Sean Strickland's, he just, he just took out Asanya's whole entire tool shed from him. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just Sean Strickland's, like, it was like low key a masterful performance. Like I watched it last night, laying in bed again with no audio and just every, like the teeps, the teeps to just press him against the cage. And then the, I wouldn't even call him checking the leg kicks, but him lifting up that front leg, almost just like kind of making it rubbery and weird to just absorb the damage and then just plant his foot back down and be able to fire off Izzy. Um, and then the teep kicks to force him against the cage. He understood his movement. He knows he's going to bob back and forth against the cage. And he was just able to jab ahead of Izzy. And it also seemed like every time he hit Izzy, like it really bothered him where he would like have to reset. He was causing Izzy to reset over and over again. And he like, he just forced him to play like high speed, like high speed chess, high speed checkers, just like high speed where he's like in your face, in your face, in your face, jab, 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 exit, press the action, exit. And I also think, and, and I'm not going to say that Izzy got exposed, but his boxing really did where Izzy did not have any back foot counters and Izzy doesn't throw his right hand. He can't, he only has one straight offensive weapon and it's a jab. And every time he would, he knew Izzy would get in the pocket. If you get him in the pocket, he swings big hooks and he just knew his straight punches were going to be there faster. It's just, it's really incredible. And then his front leg, the teeps, you could tell, like you could see Izzy's face, like start. He could, I think the teeps to the body had a lot more impact than, and than anyone realized being forced on your back foot over and over again, then getting teeped in the, you know, the Usyk belt line over and over again, that's going to zap your energy. And he just had the Izzy in the fifth round of this fight was not the Izzy that was in the Kelvin Gastelum fight. Like he was a broken man. It was weird. There were there were momentum sways in this fight that were kind of predictable until they threw everything out the window. Like, sure, I I I thought I I wasn't you know thinking he could take a borderline ten eight and hurt him, but I had the the idea. Okay, maybe Strickland's best success can be coming out of the gate hot, make driving his Izzy back, driving him against the cage 
putting that jab always in his face, one twos, bang bang, uh, just you know, double and tripling up, nothing too fancy, but just enough to make Izzy really, really back away and kind of push that. I think okay, maybe he can have that success until Adesanya figures him out, until he figures the timing out. Because let's face it, I'm not a boxing professional. I, I've, I've trained in martial arts, but I am not a a a fighter. Uh, to see that Strickland's combinations and his and his strikes are fairly rudimentary when it comes to the the arsenal that is available, but maybe mastering the basics are are, are what we do here, and 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 that's how we succeed. When the second round rolled in, and Strickland's volume went down a little bit, Adesanya started picking up on the timing. He was looping his 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 left hand over the jab. Whatever those effective things were happening, I thought, okay, here it is. Adesanya, he gave up the first round. What do they always say about John Jones? He downloaded the information to his computer, and he figured it out, and he was going to go from there. And then he didn't. And that might have been the most baffling outcome was the third round because nothing changed to hurt Adesanya in the second round. He just couldn't seem to maintain what was effective enough to win him the second round. And I don't understand that. I, I, I really genuinely don't understand that because it seemed like he picked, he picked, he picked up Strickland's timing and it wasn't like Strickland changed his tempo that I, I, I saw of any notable variety. The only thing I saw was maybe wear and tear and the excellent job that Strickland did checking leg kicks because he didn't just check shin to shin. He would bring his shin back at an angle so it would ricochet off instead of having a straight-on uh, impact and hurting them both. Uh, and, and, and it was brilliant, but I, I just... If, I, I think I Eric Nixick... I think, I mean, they developed the perfect game. They yeah. took a little... Absolutely. They took little bits of, okay, you watch the Robert Whitaker fight. Israel Adesanya will have prolonged exchanges with you in the pocket. Yep. Izzy doesn't have great. Next time you watch an Izzy highlight, if you're listening to this, watch his eyes in the pocket. There's a picture of Israel Adesanya closing his eyes and swinging and hitting Robert Whitaker. That's something that is is known. He can get a little bit. He can get clipped up in the pocket. He can get wild. He does have good vision. He has a good, he has a really good hook. Um, but he, he can get a little overzealous and maybe not have the best vision in the pocket. I've said this forever. If anyone's listened to anything I've ever done, I've always said Sean, Sean Strickland has probably the best vision in that division way prior to this, even prior to him getting knocked out by um, Pahara. But they they saw, okay, he can be pressured against the cage. We're going to use that from this fight. He will have prolonged exchanges with you in the pocket. He primarily throws hooks in the pocket. We're going to take that from this fight. If you, like Jan Blachowicz, if you, you know, stop his kicking game that's what he used to really get his offense going is he couldn't get his kicks off and then he's like shit i can't find him with my jab yeah um the the shot that dropped izzy in the first round was sean jabbing but also kind of parrying his his rear hand and then he fires a straight right behind it and just clips him izzy's whole neck and heads i mean he was looking over his shoulder when he got clipped with that like sean sat down on that punch um I think Sean Strickland not having power needs to probably be a little bit more. I think it's more of him wanting to finally sit down on punches, but he couldn't get through. Sean's got great vision, great defense, but all of his like weird hand fighting, his hand parrying, like he just puts things in between the targets. So like you're throwing a shot at him, he moves his head and puts something in between it. 
like the body kicks. He ca- caught every body kick, blocked every head kick. Um, I think Izzy was just like dumbfounded. And Izzy does like a lot of you watch Izzy like I'm sure you'll watch this fight again because it's also just funny. Like this fight is actually funny, but they're playing Izzy's music in before the fight. And he does this like Michael Jackson, like turn around spin. Like he's a big smoke and mirrors guy. We're like, he's doing all this flashy stuff. And you're like, Fuck, I'm fighting the style bender. This is crazy. And then he has to, he, you have, he has a little bit of success. Israel Adesanya could build off a tiny bit of success. Oh yeah. But if you just never let him have that success, that's what happened. Like and he, Sean and, just like never let anything like is he couldn't get anything off. It was weird. It, it was. It was fascinating because even the round that that Adesanya won, and I, I said that he won the second round, and and I think all of the scorecards, uh, yeah, officially were forty nine forty six, um, and I believe the second round was the one for Adesanya. It wasn't like he like won the round like in a big way. Sean lost a, the round. He did it. Yeah, he did enough. Like, to, he threw just enough to to win the round. And and he was just a. And I don't even think he was more accurate. I just think he just had more going. And then that just was that. The whole approach was strange to me. And th- there's another question that that cropped up several times. So I'm curious your thoughts on it. Uh, Mark Goddard did not stop the fight in the first round, um, and he did stop the the fight for Aldermaine Sterling and Sean O'Malley. Obviously, different positions, different fighters, different body language. Do you think that that Goddard should have stepped in and waved off the fight in the first round between Strickland and Izzy? Um, because he could have, and I don't he, mean just because of the accumulation of damage. I mean the actual the act of physical surrender of Adesanya turning against the cage wall and going like this until he worked his way up. Sean Strickland did the same thing to Brendan Allen. Mm-hmm. Where like if you get hurt against the cage, he has really good like cage control where he'll kind of like pin one. He'll he'll go one on one where he'll try to like pin one of your hands, use his body and chest and then just pop out, throw those big, powerful hooks, you know, head to head. But just hooking big hooks like he had. I mean. Asanya was he was down bad. He was like he was effed up like he he was on Queer Street, like, you know, bad, bad. Um and the reason why I know people are saying like, oh, maybe he didn't fight well because he got buzzed up and he could never recover. But if that was the case, he wouldn't have won the second round. Right. That's exactly that's exactly right, because he recovered enough to do the things he wasn't doing in the first round and not get clipped. But between the second and third, Nixick went into the this moment was really funny. By the way, Nixit goes in there and just cracks the whip on Sean. And Sean's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Like, he's yelling back. At you can beat um, this guy. I think he was yelling. You can beat this guy. Yeah, he's like, you can. And then and then the, between the, the third and the fourth, he's like, go out there and beat this guy. You can beat yeah. this guy. And yeah. Sean even said, like, here's the thing is right before around my lunch break today, I started scrolling through Instagram because I like to see who Sean's been training with. Just to get a he trains with everybody. Every, anyone listening to well, this he's knows. Well, tour, so yeah, that's a rotating, revolving door. Total, and, and like not only people that train there, but like all the dudes that come from overseas that mm-hmm. are they have a fight in Vegas, they'll come right. and do it. You know, but like this dude has had hard sparring rounds with Alex Pereira, Magomed Ankalaev, just all these big names. Where you're not gonna. Like you're not gonna go out there and put your thumb down on him and make him be like Israel Adesanya couldn't do anything offensively 
to actually make Sean afraid. Like you have to do what Alex Pajara did. And he wasn't afraid of Pajara. Look how he fought Pajara. He fought Alex Pajara like an idiot. Um, and and it, it was Adesanya never seemed to get respect. Never. And that's something I've, I've seen him do for years. I mean, not tons of years because, again, Adesanya, you would actually be surprised at how – or how recent he joined the UFC. It was only back in 2018 that he made his debut against Razor Rob. Um, but he hits guys and they go, you know, the, the Chris Tucker rush hour, which one of y'all kick me kind of thing that he hit like, like uh, obviously Derek Brunson did what Derek Brunson did. And we all remember that fight. But one of the first strikes that I assign you hit him with got Brunson to go, Oh, Whoa, this is different. So yeah, the punching power was on the side of Sean Strickland, which is just, you know, if, if you were to have the, the 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 checklist of the the pros and cons, the the whose side, who do, what side sure. has the advantage here, and yet he did the darn thing. I guess then, like, I, 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 does he does he keep the belt in his next fight? We're not even talking about who he fights next because the options are available. Does Strickland win his next fight? He's he's still an underdog, hefty to Adesanya and pretty hefty to Duplessis. And, like, this is an analytical show. This is not a betting show, but I will drop gambling stuff here and there. Um, But, like, if if he shows up the way he did on Saturday night, my thing is, like, from what I saw against Adesanya, like – I, I put this on Twitter because somebody was was um, bashing Eugene Behrman in the corner. I don't think Eugene Behrman did a good job, but I my response to that was in Eugene's defense. You can't teach a fighter new skills in, in between the middle rounds. Of the fight. Yeah, right. And Izzy would have had to learn new skills in that fight to make an adaption. Like, hey, can you actually pivot and throw a straight right counter? Can you backward L step and throw a straight right? Izzy doesn't have that ability. That's just something he can't do. Like, look at the way, for example, the way very recently Sean O'Malley knocked out Aljamain Sterling. Pivot, timing timing something behind it, and just crack. Like, Izzy doesn't throw anything straight. Everything, even Eugene was like, throw the overhand right. He's thrown it 10 times. He can't land it. Like, Well, they always say that the straight shot beats the, the hook. And Strickland is primarily... A, a right down the pipe striker. You know, he'll split the guard. He'll follow that right hand. You know, it might be a cross, but it's not going far. It's going right down at you. And Adesanya couldn't, couldn't time. He couldn't time that. And I'm not disparaging Israel Adesanya here. It's just in the specific performance, he couldn't time that. And I've seen him time that before, which makes you wonder what, what happened. I think it's also too um... – Sean Strickland just throws that offbeat really fast one, two straight down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And that's going to beat every single hook and every single overhand. If you step in, if someone steps in to throw the, the overhand and you, and, and right you, down. and you just pop them with a jab, yeah, they're going to have to re, especially if it's, you know, something good, it's going to cause their head to maybe move back and it's going to cause them to reset. And they're just never going to get it off. Um, and Sean Strickland's like, his hand speed was actually super impressive and not just striking, sure. but also his ability to pop, just get shit up. Like the hand fighting and the, and the parrying was, was something like, that, that I, I would, that, and I fear 
I fear this for the sport and not because I've disliked Strickland or anything like that. I fear that fighters are going to start drilling the Philly shell and they're going to start training with the Philly shell. And that is not a good idea. No. With four ounce, with four ounce gloves, ladies and gentlemen. This is just a man who figured it out. This isn't everybody figures it out. This is this is the equivalent of uh, Michael, obviously skills difference, but Michael Venom Page fighting with his hands down and knocking guys out going like this from his side. That's not something you do. You know, this no. is not something you emulate. This is something he did. And, and, and I mean, the Philly shell is terrific and it works wonderfully in boxing. There's that, that boxer that's 50, you know, that clowns some MMA fighter once upon a time that is really excellent at the Philly shell. But it, I just think don't that, do this in MMA, can, no, especially it's going like to work at middleweight. It's not going to happen very often. Yeah. Yeah. Especially middleweight. Oh my like God. This, like this will work at middleweight, but like you go up one or you go down one, like t- like, like, think of like a power puncher, Paulo Costa against oh. a guy pairing with a Philly shell. He'd knock your teeth out. And I'm just, you know, just a, one of those guys. But yeah, I mean, or even like Dustin Poirier somewhat operates out of a somewhat operates out of some similar shoulder rolling. Yeah, sure. And like, he just got his head kicked right off. I love Dustin yeah. Poirier, one of my favorite fighters. Yeah. So like that, like, just punted. don't. But it's like his game is the equivalent of like driving to work every day only using your knee. You know, like the people that drive with their knee. But like, yeah, Sean Strickland's done it a million times. (laughs) He can do it. But like you should like I shouldn't just start doing it. Um, Weird ass fight. Really, really cool, though. Um, So many improvements from Strickland too. like his cage cutting was wonderful here. Again, the teep kicks to the body, the constant pressure causing Izzy to reset. People are saying Izzy looked off in this fight. Dana said he looked off in this fight. Um, do you think that was because of Sean Strickland, or do you think he's got something else going on? Better call him A, better call him B. Uh, I, I think Strickland's Strickland's high-pressure approach, listen, Adesanya has fought pressure strikers many times, like, like the example I just brought up, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa is a rampager. I mean, remember what he did to Johnny Hendricks? He knocked him out of the sport, basically. Knocked him into a barbecue restaurant. Now, when you have that kind of style, Adesanya figured out that picked up on it, was able to beat him at his own game by intercepting him, by doing that kind of thing. He couldn't do that to Strickland. And he has the potential and the capability of doing so. He just didn't implement it. I've seen a lot of... I mean, this, this sport, this sport goes, it, it, this sport is, you know, like 30 years old and it, it goes as fast as possible. But you see people talk about like three days ago, Adesanya is better than Anderson Silva. And now the narrative is, ooh, is Adesanya peaked? Has, has, has the fight mileage caught up to him? Has, has, has the 35 or the the 34-year-old hit his number of fights because he also had 80 kickboxing matches ahead of time, has been fighting for 20 years or something like that. That's all that's all immediately the the the, the story is is it is he faded? And I can't say that yet. I, I just seeing what he did to Alex Pereira in the rematch, just you know, I'm I'm sick of your stuff, Master Wayne, and just decked. Pereira in the way that you're like, oh, okay, that's what he can do. 
I no. see I see him approaching the the rematch that nobody wants. Do you want the rematch? Does anybody want the rematch besides the Dana. UFC? Besides the UFC, because it's the biggest money no. fight. I will troll social media because I like to look and see what people say, and also yeah. do people post a bunch of funny stuff. Um, so they do. It's the internet, MMA, man. Yeah, God, MMA social media too is just like. Oh. I, I mean, it's like, you know, you're like playing in the pig trough. Like it's just fucking gross. <laughs> Go to the um, Sherdark forums, brother. <laughs> you're gonna catch a cold just being on there you know um but like no one seems to want this this and for me like even if you remove in the first round before the before the knockdown izzy was just like covering up yeah like pillaring and just letting sean get off on him and like even if you remove dropping him sean strickland would have won the first round in my opinion like i was already ready to put a 10-9 on that before him getting dropped um, so you remove the dropping of Izzy and like, he just cleanly beat him, yep. like just clean performance. Um, and this got me thinking, like looking at, looking at this win and looking at Izzy's last three fights, like, yeah, he knocked out Alex Pajera, but like Alex Pajera was bombing on him. Yep. Like he, like, and then before that he had a close fight with Pajera and ended up getting finished in the fifth round. So like, has Izzy even looked like the Izzy that that beat you know Paulo Costa in 2020? Like, has he looked like look at Izzy's record? I've got it pulled up here in front of yep. me on SureDog.com. He lost to Jan Blahovich. Yep. He came back and had that fight with Marvin Vittori. That was a, a, a boring fight. He won it, but it was a boring fight. He had the fight with Robert Whitaker after that, which was another like Real close you know. Fight. You scored it. I I I scored it for Izzy, but I saw. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, Basically, everybody it, scored it for Izzy. So no, it's no. There's no issue there. But there are scorecards out there for Robert Whitaker, yeah. um, and even like a lot of you know people like me and you scored it that way. Then he had the Jared Cannonier fight where Cannonier took some rounds off him. Another close okay. fight. Then he has the then he has the first Alex Pereira fight. Mm-hmm. Then he has a second Pereira fight, and then now he has this fight. You can still win a fight. And people don't understand this, but like you can win a fight and not look great. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you take all of you take a lot of the recent, I mean, Izzy's last three fights. If you watch all three of those fights, you're gonna find some time where he's not looking great. He is not looking the way he did when he knocked out Paulo Costa. This was almost three years ago. This was on September 26th of 2020 when he knocked out Costa. So I don't know. Like maybe the jump to 205 had some sort of impact on him with his weight maybe. cutting and the gyno stuff. Like maybe that did something weird to his body. Kai Car France had that concussion in training camp. Who knows what the hell those guys are doing over there? If you're if your direct teammate is getting concussions, I'm gonna assume that you're doing similar shit to get concussions. Um, iron sharpens iron, baby. And I'm not gonna take anything away from Strickland because I don't think Izzy went into this fight impacted. I think that Izzy is just trending in a certain way that a fighter with this, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of wear and tear on his tires, man. Like I I am I am I'm really hesitant to get a big sweeping takeaway, but I'm starting to have the twinges of Machida after guys started figuring him out. It's not that they were always destroying him, and, and Machida still won plenty of fights and was one of the best fighters in the world, but when the mystique faded and when he had fighters, when he no longer had fighters beaten or 
befuddled coming into the fight. I mean, you think of Anderson Silva. Think sure. of the fighters. Think of when he fought Talos Lytus. Talos Lytus was, he lost the fight walking Before to started. the cage. Yeah. Like he, he was done because he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, you could see it in his eyes and you could obviously the fight played out the way it did. And he had nothing to offer. And the mystique of Anderson Silva was there. The mystique of Israel Adesanya is not at, not what it used to be. And therefore, that psychological edge that was a definite, I, I mean, obviously, it has to be a factor. Whether that's the, the explanation, I don't want to go that far, but it played a factor. When that's gone and you're just, you know, when you're human, you know, when, when if it bleeds, we can kill it, then it's a whole different ball game from an indestructible champion when Ray Borg goes to try and fight Mighty Mouse and Mighty Mouse is so bored. He's like, I'm going to make something up. I mean, he didn't, obviously he drilled the Mighty Whisper, but the point is, is that psychological tip of the spear he had, it's blunted and that's okay. But I, uh, I don't know how he would fare in the rematch, but I don't want to see it. And I, I I, I think I think the problem, my biggest problem, and we probably should move on to another segment. The problem with Izzy getting the rematch, it probably will be sooner than later. And what will Israel Adesanya learn in four months? Now, sure, he could come back and destroy, and fine, okay. Then what do you do? But then we're stuck on another third fight. Then and you're stuck on. Well, no, the Sharks didn't get the rematch because sure because 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 Pereira didn't get the rematch. But I hate, I hate, hate is a word I don't like to use very often. I hate these immediate rematches. The idea that a challenger has to beat the sitting champion two times to hold the title. If if there's a Machida, there's a Machida Shogun situation where there's some controversy and Machida won the decision, but everybody goes, eh, I don't know. Or what? Chael and Silva. Like that could be ran back. Sure. Almost something up. like that. And they didn't run that back. They let that simmer and build yeah. up and the rematch sold more. So there, it's, it's, it's short-sightedness. It's stepping over dollars to pick up sure. pennies. And uh, I, I, I think... Let Sean Strickland fight Drake is Plessy. Let him Dude, fight Jared Gann in the air again. I don't care. Just not. He beat him the last time they yeah. fought, in my opinion. I was, thought he beat Jared Gann right there. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll use this to just cap this off. Um, so for Izzy and for Strickland, I want to matchmake for them real quick. Sure. Um, you said Duplessis. And then also, too, one more thing is, do you think that now that this, like, hey, just – Pressure Izzy, crowd the space, bomb on him with stuff, force him against the cage. Like, do you think more guys are just going to go out there and try to do that? Like, the way that Jared Cannonier fought Marvin Vittori, like, why couldn't he just walk down Izzy, check his kicks, and then just bomb on him with bigger punches? Yeah, like, like you think that approach might be – well, I mean, this is the hard, this is the hard situation. Like, we talked, we've talked on many shows and many times over the years that – X fighter can do what they achieved in the cage. Y fighter may not have that skill set to be able to replicate that kind of situation where you think that if Adesanya fought Duplessis instead and Duplessis is a marauder, like Duplessis is a, if I get knocked out, awesome, good job, but I'm going to run at you basically and charge you and hit you with, 
with with standing hammer fists and sure anything you know if, a whirling if, dervish of if they throw craziness a, if they throw a chair in the cage you try and figure out a way to smack him with it too just whatever Trigas could do it might but it also might have been the Strickland and, approach because Strickland was so defensively sound that you look and you go and see well Derek Brunson went at is he and he got dropped three times in in a round um so interesting maybe it's just maybe like a brendan allen nasardine Amafob who are defensively sound he can go forward i mean brendan allen's defensively sound but he's got a good jab um he's also cliff so he's probably getting better that's right um and he's doing some training with with sean over there um, i think for izzy um there's two ways you can go with it you can try to you know squeeze as much blood from the stone as you can. And you could try to throw him back in there with a rematch with Sean Strickland. Or what you can do is you can let Sean Strickland fight Drikus Duplessis. Yep. And if Duplessis gets the belt, then that fight's there. Yep. But I think instead of, if Hamza Chamayev goes out there and, and dominantly finishes Paulo Costa, um, he would earn a title shot because it's the UFC. But I think, to really boast his star power. If he goes out there and finishes Paul Acosta, I think a fight with Izzy and Hamza would be, Hey, you, you, you use him as he he's been the champ. He's held mm-hmm. the belt. He sold you plenty of pay-per-views. Let's use this guy to get over Hamza. If we think Hamza who, is who he really is. That could be the rare non-title UFC pay-per-view headlining fight. Totally. I think of, of those options. Double but- A sides. But even yeah, I I just for 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 Shemayev to get one win at middleweight over the number six guy and get a title shot just makes me kind of laugh, um, and and they really want to do it. Yeah, but I think Paula Costa is going to beat him. So I don't. Th- I think that's for Moot, and I think then they're going to be like, oh boy, because lest we forget, Shemayev can do that against Kevin Holland, tall, tall, wiry, rangy. Paula Costa is two thirty. Weighing in, weighing in at 186. So it's like low key one of the more hard fights for Hamza, oh, like stylistically. Well, yeah, and um, seen, we saw Paulo Costa take on Yo Romero and just smash each other in the face. Just, just you know, they're hitting themselves, going, "This is too much fun," and I never think. die. Like oh, both yeah. of them never die. Um, I thought that Romero's jaw was broken, but that that's still that's not the point. Yeah, yeah, a bomber's light. <laughs> um, that was, you know, <laughs> I would talk about this forever. Yeah, I know. Like, this fight was actually funny, too. Like, again, like, this was one of those comical. Final thing before we move on. We've been on this for 34 minutes and some change, but this is important. Biggest upset in MMA history, not including WMMA. Is this it, or do you still count the Matt Sarah GSP thing? What's what's a bigger upset for you? In terms of bigger upsets, um, screw screw the numerics. Like what? Oh, okay, you? okay. Uh, well, GSP Sarah is is far away. When Sarah beat GSP, it's a different stratosphere. I mean, Sarah beat Sarah won a season of the Ultimate Fighter as the comebacks of the fighters that were basically doing very poorly in the UFC worked his way through 
didn't beat Chris Lytle in the finals in a not great fight and then beat George St. Pierre, who was not at the time the destroyer of worlds that he became in terms of dominance and what have you, but he was still a, a, a top tier fighter that, you know, also happened to be the champion, uh, is way leagues above Sean Strickland winning. Uh, Michael Bisping knocking out Luke Rockhold is a bigger upset for me uh, than Sean Strickland beating Adesanya. In fact, I, I think their situations are similar, not just because if you replaced, if you if you made silhouettes of both of those guys, they would look almost identical, Bisping and, and Strickland. <laughs> so but weird. It's uh, it probably can close in on my male fighter top five. But like, if we open it up, open it up, like Nunes and Pena and and Shevchenko and Grasso are also way above this for me, just just for me, sure. and uh, just because, yeah, yeah, I agree. I didn't have a foreseeable path that Strickland could win, but this is a Sean Strickland who was like fourteen and five in the UFC, had beaten a bunch of top five guys to get where he was. It wasn't a Oh boy. Okay. Number 12 is in here to, you know, this is Joe Soto fighting TJ Dillashaw. What are we doing here? Kind of situation. Yeah. And Sean has no bad losses. Like if you really truly look at them, like like losing is the only one, I guess, but that, you know, it's like two trains. Yeah. (laughs) No, two in each hand. Look like like he's just something different. So yeah, that that was, um, I'll probably watch this fight again tonight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just like when i watched it later that night i watched it again and i was like my fiance is like why are you watching it again and i told her i was like i have to watch this again because i did not believe what was happening throughout the whole thing and dude shout out to sean strickland too like did you see the video he posted today of he's his belt broke on the way home and he's duct taping his belt to fix it duct taping the the ufc belt that (laughs) broke two days after receiving it it's this this fight is the epitome of something that i I took from ben duffy uh sherlock senior out of there ben duffy about probably going on three years now when we were talking about previewing fights and he said you know the most the best kind of fight is where i learned something not necessarily that I was right or that I was wrong. It's that I learned something new that I hadn't, I just wasn't available. It was a, it was a, it, it taught me something about both fighters. It gave us the most interesting storylines in the most bizarre timeline that is the year of our Lord 2023. Just Sean O'Malley and Sean Strickland are UFC champions. Well, um, We'll we'll move on. <laughs> um, so something that was not as um, unexpected, for lack of better terms, was a uh, Taito Ivasa getting an Ezekiel choke um, by Alexander Volkov. He got Ezekiel choked. Volkov came out and said he learned that choke from Olenek. It's kind of cool, right? It's uh, it doesn't matter anymore after what well, after the the after the Strickland Izzy thing. It kind of like you know the coolness really went down, but still pretty cool, right? It's um, it's the kind of thing you like to see from fighters. Yeah, the the whole Russian connection thing. Of course, we we can talk about that another time. But I think back to when Alexei Olenek hit 
a scarf hold. It wasn't Ezekiel. It was the, the scarf hold, the, the lower on the ground, sort of like a schoolyard, sure. bulldog, what have you, Stuff. kind of situation. Basically that. Um, to Jared Vandera. Uh, this was back, I think this was last year. And at the after the end of the fight, they're 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 backstage and they're walking down the hall and they're fine. They're not hurt or anything. It was like a first round submission. Um, Vandera's hugging him and he says, "Teach me this submission. Teach me this." And there's a video out there of sure I've seen of, it. Of yeah, yeah Linux showing you how to set this thing up. To see Volkov hit, okay, of all the UFC fighters remaining on the roster. I would and I would not have put money on Alexander Volkov being the next fighter to pull off an Ezekiel choke because first of all, it's a it's as we call it in in the industry a big man submission. It's something that you physically have to have longer arms and and the torso to back it up to be able to pull off this move and the weight behind you to not let fighters get off. Of course, there have been. Ezekiel chokes in lower divisions. There's been Ezekiel sure. chokes at straw weight. But statistically speaking, it's a big man submission. And Volkov has 80 inch wingspan. But of all the things that I was most impressed about in that fight between Volkov and Truvasa, it wasn't the, the, the better striking or the body stuff or, or busting up Truvasa's nose. It was the, I'm going to get an Ezekiel choke. It wasn't, there was no, I fell into it. There was no anything like that. It was a, okay, I'm on top. I'm in mount. Here are my arms. Here it is. We're done. Like th- this was, this was not an accident. This was, I got this guy. And that, that was, that was something else to me, man. I um have never been in an Ezekiel choke. Um, this reminds me of when uh, Kevin Holland submitted uh Kiesa with that that like standing darce mm-hmm. and my chick was like what is that how does that work and i was like i was like i'll show you what a dart like i can explain I'll it to you and, and, yeah, and, <laughs> and like she's like okay that, that makes sense but like in ezekiel talk to like be to be choked out by someone that's so large because your face is just being embedded into their like their <laughs> sternum area and their chest area like that's it's something like being man. drowned. Yeah, it's got to be like yes. being drowned. Um, it would be really funny if Tui Vasa did it to somebody because his body would go around them um, like a clay mold. But Volkov has gotten so much bigger. He's so strong now. Um, and I love that he was firing off of all the leg kicks. DC, you know, he, he's a shield for Tui. He's a Tui guy and that's fine. But he's like, these leg kicks are really adding up. And it's like, no, Volkov is checking them and firing off of every single one and like yeah. hurting Tui Vasa. Tui Vaso was like on skates and her and rolling like Tui Vaso was like getting plunked, falling onto the ground, walking up to Volkov, kicking him in the leg, getting plunked, falling to the ground. Like this fight was never going to be close. Um, Volkov just kind of like, yeah, the leg kicks were nice. I understand that's Tui's game like that. And it was a good idea, but like he kind of just got shit kicked, right? It's the kind of fight that they're going to make him make to Avaso fight Tom Aspinall next. Like they are, they just like, like this is like UFC to 99. It'll be called like the subtitle will be killing Ty Pravasa because of how the horrible, horrible matchups. This is, I think somebody touched on this on a, on a post-fight show. It might've actually been Shillin and Duffy. And if it is shout out to those boys, this was the equivalent 
of matching Molly McCann up against Aaron Blanchfield in Dude. New York in the what are you doing? Where this is the wrong fighter for this fight in this situation. This is the bad matchup. This is everything that was going to go wrong, except for the fact that it it wasn't even like a club and sub. It was like a club and snake eating its two hundred and sixty six pound prey. The way he got into mount, like slowly into mount, Ugh. and just getting in, like people say, he's Volkov can't. Like he's, I've always thought he was really good and he was going to be like my sneaky hub, um, heavyweight pick, but he got scooped up um, yes, for the did. fantasy thing um, by somebody. Uh, he, for Tui Vasa, man, like I'm convinced that him and Jessica Andrade have the same manager. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to book them into the ground, man. It's like, what the fuck? It's. Vasa has will very quickly become, and he might have already become the the the. I'm not going to put him in the same threshold, but in the same type of fighter, Donald Cerrone, Nate Diaz. That their popularity is not contingent about winning and losing, because when they get that win, that's all that matters. They can lose too, and then get that big knockout, that big something, and happen. And that's what Tuvasa is. And they're gonna, they're just. I mean, like, let him fight Chase Sherman. Dude, give him like, a break. Give, give that him, boy a break. Let him drink his beer in peace. I, I heard someone say, and this is no offense to them, but even somebody was like, yeah, but they should maybe put him up in there with, like, someone like Martin Budai. And I'm like, someone yeah. that's just going to, like, sure. drag all over him, though. He he got his ranking off of a slobber knocker with Derek Lewis. That elbow. But besides <laughs> Derek, which was beautiful, um, but, like, they really need to. I mean, Volkov is just not much of a step down from from you know Gon and Pavlovich. Like he really isn't. Um, on the right day, like Volkov could compete with those guys. Like Volkov I, is good. Like he's good enough to compete with those guys. He for me, he's on the same level as Curtis Blades and Jal Almeida. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. He's like two B. He is a. He is a. A right on the top five. He is. I mean, I, I don't want to say you can't call a guy in the top five a gatekeeper because that's so the you know the, the the connotation of that word is so harsh because it means you can never make it to the top. But Alexander Volkov is a perfect top five gatekeeper. If you beat Volkov, you are legit. I also think yeah. that if Volkov and Gun were matched, I think Volkov would win that fight. That's also because Volkov is now two sixty five. All muscle cuts weight down, probably. If not, you know, it's a, a little cut, and he looks sharp. But it's, He's just all, it's all too bad. It's all too bad because that other fight that happened right after, it took all of its steam away. All of the juice, yeah. And I like Volkov. He's, like, sitting on shots, throwing a shot straight. Yeah. He sit, he's, like, if you want to punish him, he is making sure to always be the one to close up the exchange. That's what he did against Tui Vasa. He was yep. brazen enough to stand in the pocket and say, hey, I know you're going to leg kick me. I'm going to check it and just fire a straight shot right back. Um, it was a really good performance by Volkov. I, I really liked what I saw. Um, and... Like Tuivo, this should have been Tuivasa at the highest, at the most, Jarzina Rosen strike. Yeah, that would have been what this fight that would have been, been a fair fight, a a top fifteen flamethrower. Given that, uh, and but. and he, it really he should be fighting the same people that you know, the, a guy that looks just like him. If you look at a silhouette, you know, Justin Toffa. Like, give him the Toffos of the world. Yeah, yeah, like he should be fighting those dudes. Um, just so he could smoke them. 
Like, and I think I don't think I don't think anybody can knocked out in those fights. They're just too darn just too darn rectangular. <laughs> they would look. I like I don't a, know if they'd fight, but yeah, I mean, I get, like the Austin Lanes or like you know just that level of yeah, dude. Oh, we're going way down the ladder to give Tulsa sure. bounce back. I yeah, mean, yeah. I was thinking like uh like a Marcos Rogeri de Lima type, but you know if if, if you want to, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm not really matchmaking guy on three losses. He's going to stay for a long time, but I just feel for the guy. It's, 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 it hurt, it hurts me to say it, but he's becoming a guy who was known for his antics and not his ability. Like he's getting some cool knockouts, but it's the beer. It's the shoe. Yeah. That's what people come to see. If you take that away. He's not in the UFC. Well, he's in the OC, but he's just a guy in the OC. Sure, he'd, he'd he'd open the you know he'd open the prelims, yeah, or the main prelims. Yeah, he'd be shoved in like a apex main event as like the second fight in as like the obligatory heavy heavyweight. He'd be like he'd be like he'd be, yeah he'd be third to last in the featured fight slot in, sure. in the unranked. What the hell is this heavyweight fight doing on here? Yes, absolutely. The you know the 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 bacon I call them the bacon grease fights just the big like (laughs) just a random ass you know the walrus slapping but they but they take up the slots that should be that should be deserved and held by very talented flyweight fighters that put on absolute battles and I think there might be one that we have. This fight was really interesting. Um, Manal Cop defeats Felipe Dos Santos via 30-27. However, this 30-27 was um, a very, a, a, the, the closest 30-27 you could get. Well, right? yeah, there are 30-27s, and then there are 30-27s. And this like, was the latter. This was the... You know, uh, uh, Will Vanders say you could put a cigarette paper between the two. Just of, this is an extremely close fight between Cop and Dos Santos. Did was it your fight of the night? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and they over, did get over Hector Ascunonis. It did get it. Yeah, yeah, because. Quinones could never hurt Hawk Prost, and both of these dudes hurt each other like visibly. Point. Yep. Um. I think Quinones sidebar. I think Quinones' issue in that fight was he could not sit down on a single punch. No. Like he could not. Like he just doesn't have the punching power to uh, hurt Hawk Pross. But this fight, Felipe Dos Santos, twenty-two years old, gets pulled off the Contender Series. Shooto box guy. I mean, I don't want to curse on here. I'm not supposed to. It gets flagged. But this dude showed the fuck up, dude. He would have iced. The guy he was going up against on the contender oh, yeah. series. Holy I think I said smokes. that. I think I said that in the chat. I was like, yeah, Felipe Dos Santos would have nuked his opponent off the contender <laughs> series. Um, he's good. This has got shades of, um, oh, my God. Uh, what's Ursic? What's his first Steve, name? Steve Ursic? Yeah. Like, this against has got shades. Of, yeah. Like, where these dudes are just showing up. First off, for anyone listening and that knows me, knows that I really love flyweights and I really love bantamweights. And this goes to show you, like, flyweights have to be good at fighting. Like, you cannot be, like, flyweights just have to be good somewhere. Of course, you get, you know, certain ones here and there that, Shannon Ross, blah, 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 guys like that. But, like, 
this kid, he's the epitome of a shooto box fighter. Yes, yes, he is. He, he, um, like the blonde dye job and all the way through to the soul. You know, this is a guy who, who dyed his, you know, heart blonde, basically. It's, uh, he fought in a throwback style with new, I don't know how to, with new approaches. Like it wasn't shooto box, like the, the shooto box that we are used to from pride. It wasn't the, you know, the, the killer be killed because there was some incredibly impressive technical displays. Like some of his footwork was way advanced for two. Now I think he's happy birthday, buddy. I think he's 23 today. Today. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just the kind of thing that you, when you see fighters on regional circuits or when you see them on, you know, whatever, just some other a regional promotion and they're like six and oh, and you're like, okay, I see the potential here, but it needs to, you know, you, there needs to be a lot of shoring up their holes or deficiencies. When I saw this kid, at 7-0 and with a no contest, which was due to like a groin shot or something like that, I see a guy who is ready. And yeah. that's surprising because UFC level is so down in the basement now that there are fighters that I don't want to individually name because that's cruel and, and unfair to them. But there are fighters that are signed like this week that you're like... <sighs> Wow, they're they're a UFC fighter now. Congratulations. That was something I never would have imagined. And then there are kids like this who have the poise, who have the the the, the ability to step in the cage, not let I don't know how many people were in the Kudos Bank Arena. 19,000 people hooting and hollering, uh rooting for him because remember they they hate Mao Cop because of the Kaka Front situation and the bottle throw, which was a really really good shot by the way. Um and to have to have all of that behind you in the brightest lights in your UFC debut, where you've had one fight in a decent promotion. I say decent as an LFA. I believe it was the LFA Brazil show back in, in last November to come to here and to put on that show. Well done, lad. This was you. I don't think you could have a better showing and stock up performance after a loss than what Felipe Dos Santos did. Even after the fight. He, yeah, you know, goes up to Manel. He congratulates him. He jumps on the cage before Manel does. Yeah, and he's like, "Fuck yeah, I love this." this he's like, amazing. "Let's do this." This yeah. was awesome. He was feeling himself. Um, again, he he, you know, he didn't do what Volkov did, but they both. Uh, he was making sure every time Manel copped through something, he was throwing back at him. Always finishing the exchanges. Always, I mean, he wobbled Manel cop multiple times in this fight. He got dropped by Cap. Got dropped right away. Ninety percent of dudes on the raw, like what the, I can think of, like Brandon Royval, um, Brandon Moreno, and maybe Pantoja would have taken that shot and had like a similar response. Yeah. But like, not many dudes are taking that shot and coming back. You know, coming like I don't even know if Kaikar France could have taken that shot and came because, back because it wasn't that he just came back. It wasn't that he was just I I, I took the big I got dropped by Mount Cop and I got back and it wasn't that. It was, I got back up and I went, all right, Mr. Falcon, let's do this thing. And threw right back at him. Like, this is a guy who was dropped seconds ago. And he's throwing, swinging right back. Winning thing. exchanges within yeah. 30 seconds. <laughs> like, he gets dropped, he stands up, and he wins the next exchange. Yeah. And he's, like, forcing Manel to get on the back foot. Um, And, and this should not be, like, a, a, you know, we shouldn't look down on cop because of this. 
Um, he got more than like, he bargained for. I promise you that. I think more than any anyone that looked into this fight was like, yeah, this is a wash. Yeah, this poor kid's gonna get iced by a mental cop. Yeah. We had a lot of that Saturday night, man. People that just showed the f up. Um, yeah. They should probably just rebook the Kai Car France fight at this 100%. point. Like it's they, it's they, there. Stupid not to. They they're gonna like, go. They go back to like, but they go like I don't know Melbourne or Melbourne. Sorry, Australians. But if they go back to Melbourne in like March or something like that, throw that throw that on there because Car Car France has concussions, and I don't know the status of them, but I think they're gonna resolve and and kind of get his head right because that's the fight. But am I crazy? For thinking that if that had been Kai Car France standing across from him, Car France would have just probably not picked him apart. But and I use the word dismantle, so I don't want to reuse that term again, but would have put the screws to cop. I feel like he would have made cop pay in ways that Felipe Dos Santos did, but didn't quite do enough. Like I feel like in terms of raw punching power, Kai Car France is is up there. And I, I feel like a, I feel like he would have really taken it to Mono Cop if they had fought Saturday night. I mean, that's we're going way off the rails, but sure, sure, sure. Yeah, um, possibly the only like I just don't know if his durability would hang. That's, and now that's that's a good question. Like, like cop is a spell wrong in training camp. So cops a violent dude. Yeah. Um and I'm so happy that Dos Santos, like, there wasn't any fucking bullshit. Like, he missed weight, so he lost part of his purse. The dude, the dude showed up, made weight, badass effing fight, didn't get his win money. Who gives a shit? Because his win money is twelve thousand dollars. He got fifty grand yes, instead. Life changing so, money for this gentleman, by the way. This is this isn't this is yeah. this is a different league of paycheck. Just that fifty k. The the twelve k is good, but yeah, he uh, you know I life. would rather. Him getting a win over Manal Cop and a snoozer of a fight and getting twelve and twelve is not as good as having this fight getting twelve and fifty k. Oh no, he's 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 in good. Like, Dos Santos is arguably in better shape because cops lost to fight Car Car France next. Like he went nowhere. I mean, he had a great fight and he went fifty grand richer, but Dos Santos now went from a guy who was gonna squeak in on the contender series to this guy Matt might Schnell, maybe. That's not bad. Sumadergy, Sumader- something Alex, like that. Alex Perez, somebody like that, who's kind of yeah. on the, the outside of the top 15. And he could hang with him. If that's if that's what we're getting, if that kid on short notice can turn that up to 11 with a full training camp, yeah. Flyweight yeah, major I'm, rules. Yeah. I was like kissing this kid's ass in the freaking slack. I, you saw me. I was like freaking just I, – he melted my heart. That was really, really awesome. So, so I, I know I'm, I'm kind of we're kind of speeding over on time, but there is some really interesting thing in the news that I really wanted your opinion of uh, in the MMA news world. We're not going like, so did you hear what they said in the in the press card? No, um, this was in Phuket, Thailand, uh, and this is a, a very interesting situation that broke. Uh, it broke this morning, courtesy of the Phuket News, um, based on an incident that allegedly occurred in September 3rd, so it's a week ago, where Kusain Askabob, uh, who is a UFC fighter, he was 23-0, and 0, and he fought Jamal Emers and lost, and his twin brother, uh, Kassan, uh, were arrested in Phuket uh, for charges of, of kidnapping, torture, extortion. Uh, 
and what happened is, and the, the, the specifics are still coming out, where the two brothers were involved with three guys from Kazakhstan, three Kazakh individuals that haven't been identified yet, that broke into some Italian man's uh, uh, villa in, in a popular uh, Phuket resort, and they held him hostage. They beat him up. They allegedly tortured him and stole, uh, I think it was 12 million baht, which is, I think it was like 300 and something grand in, in American dollars of money and, and valuables that he had. Is I think there was some crypto involved too. Uh, so this UFC fighter, Hussein, was not one of the individuals that was in the room at the time, allegedly. It was orchestrated. Like, so this guy was, this Italian guy was marked. And they, I guess they, whomever it was, knew he happened to be loaded. And, and they proceeded to beat the stuffing out of him and tie him to a chair. And I believe they left him bound and gagged when the, like, the resort staff found him. Like, this was, they didn't go, okay, we're good now. They left him. Yes, yes, exactly. There's there's a photograph of the, of the situation. Uh so, yeah, the, the UFC has already responded and said, we're aware of it, we're gathering information. But suffice it to say, Hussein Maskabov's fight with Daniel Pineda on October 7th is canceled. So uh, what do you think about a UFC fighter allegedly been being arrested for involvement in kidnap, torture, and extortion in Thailand? You know what, Jake? You know what this all loops back to? Fighter pay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Carl Roberson and this guy have a lot in common, apparently. Um, I am usually hip to these current events. I worked all day and like got off work, pivoted my work computers here. I pivoted to my other computer here, um, and started this show. So I had no idea. I knew he just got matched up. Um, that's effing crazy. Uh, I stole, uh, according to the report on Phuket news, uh, Rolex, uh, another, a, a Nautilus, I believe kind of watch of, you know, fancy watch. I'm not a watch aficionado. Um, another, there, there are three very fancy watches, a, 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 a fancy computer and a bunch of phones. Uh, they stole his bank passport. They stole his bank cards. They stole his password. Like they beat his passwords out of him. Like this was a, a targeted, deliberate, we're going to take everything you have kind of situation. And the two brothers are connected in some way. It's like a bad guy in a movie. It's a it's like movie. some diehard shit. Like, it's a movie situation. Like what? The, the three, the three guys, according to the report, flew out of the country before they got back, and they the, the it doesn't actually say where the, the Askabah brothers were arrested. But uh, so they just like dipped out. Are they being extradited? Like what? Where are these dudes? Like what? Like I, I don't. Are know. they in custody? They're in Kazakhstan, somewhere. Just. They got they they flew from Phuket to Dubai to home, and I guess that they, I guess if they know they went through customs, they have the identities of these men. So I'm sure they're going to be in custody and extradited because you know this is international incident. But uh, so yeah, there you go. Hussein Askabov is uh, probably one of the most creative ways to get out of a UFC fight coming up next month. He's probably going to lose that fight too. Um, Daniel the Daniel the Pit Pineda. Might have probably was gonna know, knock him out. Might have been a real pit bull to him. Um, yeah, that's very bizarre. Um, I don't even know what to say. I will look more into it right after this. I'm gonna read about it. Um, 
weird. That was our our, our current event. <laughs> Let's talk um, about some fights now. Yeah, moving on. We're going to move straight into fight coming up this weekend. UFC Noche in Las Vegas. So it's it's their Mexican Independence Day card thing. Is that, is that what it is? Yes. Um, but it's not in Mexico, which is fine because, Lord have mercy, imagine them doing it up in Mexico City at Elevation. It's going to be in Vegas. Um, and we got Shevchenko versus Grosso in the rematch. We're only going to give you guys two fights because we spent a lot of time on Izzy and Strickland, but I thought it was deserved. Um First fight that we're going to talk about is Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena. Kevin Holland is a plus 136 underdog, while JDM is coming back at minus 156. So slight favorite in JDM. Um, quick analysis. Tell me what you think about this fight and who do you have winning? Well, it's a darn shame because I was planning on talking about Lupita Godina as an least read. So this, this <laughs> fight card, this, this fight card is... It's uh, just it's, it's almost tragic because at one period of time, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, this is a limited window and obviously schedules are in flux, sure, sure. had three humans that were from Mexico that had some sort of UFC title. And now Mexican Independence Day. They, they luckily worked out to, to put one champion on the marquee in the T-Mobile Arena, which is the bastion of Mexican pride, obviously. And uh, it's a free it's a free fight night card. I believe it's on ESPN Plus. I don't think it's mm-hmm. on the, the big the big networks. And the last two fights are really ones to watch. The other fights sure. have varying intrigue, but personally. I'm really invested in seeing if, if Shevchenko can win the title back. But in terms of a stylistic clash, I really want to see if Jack Madel- Della Madalena can pass this test in Kevin Holland. Because this is a very difficult fight for him. As we know, he recently had a whole bunch of snafu going on and, and fights falling out and big mess situations. And he took on a late replacement in Basil Hafez, who who showed the heck up. Like we've been talking about that. These guys that just showed up and and did the thing. And he lost a spirited split decision to Jack Della. I'm a seven minus 700 crushing knockout artist favorite that also happens to have six jets too. I am concerned to a degree that Della Maddalena is trying to follow and emulate the Kevin Holland strategy of taking a whole bunch of fights in rapid succession, because that is not something every fighter is able to do and succeed at. We find there's a very small number of fighters that really can get away with that. The ones that do, you know, you don't have fighters that win twice in a month, twice in, you know, three times in two months. You can think of the, the, the individual names of the fighters. You're not, you know, we're not going, you know, to, to be like, oh, man, there's so many that just compete so often. It doesn't happen because, it, you know, physically very difficult training camps, expenses, and, you know, it's just physical condition. Kevin Holland is made for this kind of turnaround. And I don't know if, because, I mean, remember, he fought Michael Chiesa at the end of July, and he hit a Darce joke, and I don't think he got hit more than, like, five times. And, yes, um... JDM fought two weeks before, 
but that's really, really close proximity to the last fight. And this is something that Holland excels at. This is something he relishes, especially when it's a striker-on-striker matchup. I think this is a really tough situation for the much shorter. I mean, Kevin Holland will have eight inches of reach, eight inches of, on, on hands, and his legs, you know, Kevin, legs go all the way down. Holland here is going to be able to rifle off shots on the range. We know JDM can get in inside and close the distance. I'm, I'm leaning towards the underdog. I'm leaning towards Holland here. I think that he's got the volume. I mean, JDM's got crazy pace, but Holland has the kind of consistent, frustrating, in-your-face pay, in pace that I think that Della De Maddalena is going to struggle with. If we struggle with Basil Hafez putting the screws to him, I think Kevin Holland is going to be able to spring this upset. And win a, I don't think he's going to crack the chin, but I think he's going to win a pretty safe decision. Yeah, I think this is like a super smart underdog play just like point blank period i said earlier i don't like to give betting advice but like mm-hmm. even if kevin holland was like a minus 150 favorite like i still think it's a good number yeah. um and the reason why is i i think jdm's game is he he's really a pocket puncher that relies on his vision and he, he likes he's just a he's really reliant on hooks he's not a straight puncher really at all and it's so stupid because we talked about like the fundamentals we we really harped on that but like this is another one of those things. And what is Holland's best punch? Straight down the pipe, straight right down the middle. He just murks dudes with that straight down the middle. He times it very well. Kevin Holland, I'm going to say Kevin Holland's probably the more powerful puncher than JDM too. And JDM is a known power puncher. Kevin Holland cracks. He hurts people. This dude was getting spinning wheel kicked by Wonder. Like, let's not forget that Kevin Holland is literally unhurtable. Like the dude was the dude was fighting Tiago Santos at 185 up a weight class. Look at Tiago Santos, and he was like, "Damn, Tiago, that hurt." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He took he took shots from a a primo Tiago Santos who was able to talk to him afterwards. I just don't see how. I just really don't see how. JDM like he struggled with the length of Randy Brown until he found Randy Brown but Randy Brown is chinny Kevin Holland's not getting hurt by that one shot and if JDM has great jujitsu if he can club and sub dudes that's Kevin Holland's game like look what he did to the dirty bird look what he did to Kiesa I could totally see him like he's gonna drop JDM once in this round because if Basel Hafez was landing clean shots on JDM Kevin Holland's going to do it too. I wouldn't even be surprised if he club and subs him. Kevin Holland is a, that's his game. Like in at, at welterweight, he is not only a puncher, but he, if you get hurt around him, he's going to lock up that like high elbow guillotine, some sort of dar choke. He's going to cause you to shoot on him. He is a Travis Luter black belt. He is shitty off of his back, but if he has you hurt, he slaps on a choke. I see a club and sub with this one, man. Holland inside the distance, you probably find that shit at like plus 400. Yeah, probably. And uh, to, if you have a black belt from the Michael Jordan of BJJ, then you really have it going. Mm-hmm. Cool fight. That one's going to be dope. All right. Moving on to the final fight of the night. 
a rematch. Um, and the odds have definitely gotten closer. <laughs> I should have been more prepared because I would have loved to know the odds from the first fight. But we got Shevchenko coming in as a slight to moderate favorite. She's a minus 162 favorite. Um, Grosso comes back at plus 142 as this kind of slight underdog. Um, I'm curious to see what you think about this fight. Um, tell me who you got and tell me why you got him. Well, you came to the right person if you wanted to know the information about their first fight because Valentina Shevchenko was a minus 900 favorite <laughs> with the comeback of Grasso at about plus 600. Obviously, your book may vary. So, yeah. I, first of all... It's changed by like 400%. I'm not at all surprised that Shevchenko is again, the favorite fighter, the favorite, the favorite fighter in the betting line. Yeah. One by one sixty five, one sixty, And I think that's probably a smart bet if you were to bet that, but I'll probably talk about this on the, uh, the prime picks column that comes out every Friday for the UFC cards. I don't want to tip my hat too much, but I'm going to tip my hat too much and say this, this wasn't a fight like, Chris Wyman and Luke Rockhold, where that one situation had it. And until then, it no, because Luke Rockhold was taking it to Chris Wyman, too. Like, I think that he was up two rounds at the time, and then Wyman tried the spin, and then he blew it and had his mistake. This is a situation where Alexa Grasso won the first round. And she won the first round impressively. She Her boxing shown. She figured out the range much faster than I expected she would. I know she's an excellent boxer, and I know that that's her, you know, that, that was the selling point. And I think they even talked about Mexican boxing because, okay, cool. I didn't know they teach boxing drastically different in different countries, but I'll, I don't want to digress too far. And then Shevchenko figured her out. Shevchenko started putting the combinations together. She started being able to beat her to the in the exchanges. She's. It wasn't just that she was faster. It's that she was also able to hit the takedown. And Shevchenko has the ability that, I mean, we, we talk about Shevchenko as a kickboxer. Her best, her best weapon might be her offensive wrestling of mm-hmm. all the things that she has to offer because she can get you down with one, maybe two takedowns, and that's three or four minutes off the clock. That's her control grappling. It's, it's, it's like she is 125 pounds going on 190 when it comes to a flyweight fight, just in terms of the, the, you know, it, when, when Dustin Poirier fought Khabib Nurmagomedov between, I think it was the second round, Poirier turned to, to his ATT corner people and said, I can't, this guy, I can't get this guy off me. And it was that just kind of like that, that panic feeling, I cannot get. Khabib to, 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 to get off. Valentina, very underrated, has that kind of smothering but effective top control because it is she is active too. It's not like she's going to just hold you down and, and, and Jared Rochelle you. She's going to work you over like with elbows or, or painting sure. Caitlin Chukagian's face and, and all the things she does too. I think this was the situation of – this sport is so high level, and when it comes to certain flyweights, they are so high level that if you make one significant mistake, it's all over. And obviously, that's a cliche, and yeah. we know that. But when it really comes to this situation, it was that. 
because Shevchenko was winning the second round. She won the second round. These were official scorecards. Won the second round, won the third round, takedowns grappling, hadn't gotten to her take, hadn't gotten a takedown in the fourth round, but she was out striking Grasso. And then did that one I'm too close spinning back kick that she does like to throw. This is something that the Jack Slack has very righteously ripped her for turning for spinning back kicks in close proximity and Grasso made her pay. I think that was a lightning strike moment. I think that was not the level of Juliana Pena hurting Nunez on the feet and choking her out, but this was that quick strike, impressive one out of 10 outcome. Like this is the one, sure. I, I think for me, I think that was the Shevchenko made a mistake and Grasso brilliantly capitalized it. Like I'm not taking away from Grasso because she did exactly what she needed as a person, as a woman who is not a submission threat. Like I think that was her second career submission, I believe at the time. And her first was recently, her first was uh, uh, Jojo Colorwood, like yeah. a fight or two before that. This is this is a striker first, and she sees in the moment and capitalized. I don't see that happening again. I see 49-46, Grasso has a good round, and it's kind of that, oh, that's what eight of the ten of these fights will look like if this hadn't happened ten times. That That's that's my impression. I'm looking forward to, to hearing how you bounce back. And if she um, bounces back... <laughs> Grasso did have a lot of success, even through rounds yeah. that she was losing up until that point, like just with her boxing, because her hand speed and her power did kind of give Shevchenko a little bit of a little bit of problems. Um, Shevchenko has always had this like the disparity of skills between her and everybody else was just, you know, a, a Grand Canyon in between where she could do stupid shit and like get away with it like you can do a spinning back kick within the warning track you know the black line but like why are you spinning in the warning track like why are you giving your back because she track? can that that like, was that that was the that was what it was until grasso because yeah. she could but now that the like with aaron blanchfield and all these other contenders coming up like she's gonna really have to button her game up if she wants to continue to be the queen and, and how we all think that she is um Obviously, Grasso's improved. I don't think, like, Shevchenko just needs to fight a Sean Strickland nuts and bolts game. Like, go out there, get, like, draw the cross out of, draw the cross. You know, Grasso's loves to throw her jab and cross. Draw a jab cross out of her, duck under, get her trip takedown. Don't go for, like, any weird, stupid hip throws. Like, don't fight, like, a stupid, don't fight, like, a, a, a stupid, Type, you know, there's something WMMA. You, we have fights like um, Conejo versus Vlismus, where like Ugh. you just continuously just head and arm. Head and arm. Yeah. yeah, like over and over. Like you, she cannot fight a fight like that and win that fight. But she has all the tools and she's good enough at everything to just have a nuts and bolts game where like just throw teep kicks at Grosso every time Grosso tries to crash the yeah. pocket throw teeth kicks at her face, throw teeth kicks at her gut, throw them at her chest. They don't in women's MMA. Like, I don't know why there's not more teeth kicks to the chest. Like, because if I was a chick fighting a chick, I would just teeth kick her in the tits over and over again, <laughs> but just teeth kick them, cause her to reset, cause her to reset, make her get overzealous, take her down. 
Um, Shevchenko on the ground, she's a great control grappler. She's a punishing grappler. She's not a crazy submission hunter. However, she did, you know, get that beautiful triangle against Pena. But, like, she will make you submit to strikes because she'll crucifix you and elbow you your elbow your head off. Or she'll get into side mount and elbow your head off. Like, when she's on the ground, she's actively chasing shit. She wants to do damage. Um, I think someone like Shevchenko on a mission is also potentially very dangerous. Like, Shevchenko defending her belt in another ho-hum title defense is probably not as dangerous of a person as someone that, like, I mean... She's the like she's the bullet for a reason. Yeah, like she's deadly. Um, I'm gonna pick Shevchenko here, and I actually think the odds. Um, it's WMMA. Every woman's fight could also just be a pick'em, even if it's Shevchenko or Nunes at the end of the day, because weird stuff happens in MMA. Um, but I highly doubt if Grosso wins again. Numerically, it will not be a huge upset, but like, yeah, it will. Just, right. just, just for a, la- a last thought from you, I think, since we're probably out of time. If Grasso wins this fight, what does it look like? Not getting taken down mm-hmm. and just winning 70% of the boxing exchanges in the pocket. It, it's got to be like not quite an out fight because you don't want to have to let you want to let Shevchenko be in kickboxing range and she can't crowd Shevchenko because then the, the body locks. So you, it's got to be like a like a beat Shevchenko in a boxing match kind of situation? Because, like... I think so. In terms of, if you were to paint the one, you know, if you were to give the UFC ratings of all the different skills, I think that Grasso's boxing could be the the seven to Shevchenko's six. Or you know, My point is the, the sure. step up, the eight to the seven. The, the, the number isn't as important. It's the, the notch over it, the raw, straight boxing. And they have, the, I believe they have a... Um, Let's think. Shevchenko fights Southpaw, and Grasso's orthodox, so Grasso can have the jab, but Shevchenko's going to have the body kick, and I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, the head kick. Yeah, I guess that that little thing that she did to Jessica, no big deal. Jeez. Um, So, yeah, it's just, this is Shevchenko, like, and Shevchenko could still probably, like, win a boxing match against her. I wouldn't say that she should yeah. like if, you know, if you gave these girls 16 ounce gloves and had had them just doing sparring in the boxing, like I'd assume that that Grosso would probably win a little bit more of that. But like Shevchenko's just good everywhere. Yeah. And like as great of a boxer as Grosso is like the disparity in the wrestling alone, you know, if, if one is seven and one is six, one is seven and one is four. Yeah. You know, um, I'm on Shevchenko too, man. I'm I'm not all over her, but like from a betting standpoint, like Holland and Shevchenko look like probably smart plays just based off the odds. They may or may not appear in the prime picks column, and one Raul Russ's Jr. will not be appearing in the prime picks. Ter- Ter- Terrence Mitchell, um, shout out to him for getting fights in the UFC. But shout my out gosh. to shout out to Alaska FC, my man. Yeah, that's where Jared's from, right? Hmm. And Euros Medich? Mm-hmm. Shout and out Lauren to those Mur- and Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy. Mm-hmm. Title the the uh title challenger. She um, took it she took it to Valentina Shevchenko, fourth round. 
Yeah, we almost had it. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, guys. This is Check the Kick. We ran a little bit long. I hope you guys enjoy the uh, long bit about Strickland. I enjoyed you, Jay. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Tell everyone where they can find all your stuff. Sherdog.com, everybody. That, that's the best place to find me. You're on the Sherdog YouTube channel, and uh, you can find myself in this this uh, very muted tone shirt all over the place on Sherdog. It's a Dustin Poirier shirt. Thank you for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the fights.